So my goal every day is to be the man that they think I am. And I know I'm going to fall short, right? I know it's not possible. I know it's a pedestal that I can't quite reach, but I sure can try. So when I go to work, okay, am I being the man that I would really be proud of my kids to be? You know, when I'm talking to somebody, when I'm mad at somebody, when, when I'm comforting my wife, when I'm upset with my wife, when I'm talking to a friend, when I'm mad at a friend, when I'm neutral, when I'm with them, right? Like if, if this, is this the man that I want those kids to be? So that is really always what my North star is. So it's something to wake up and point at every day mm-hmm. and then go, okay, this is where I fell short. Okay. No problem. It's okay. Give myself grace for that, you know, and then go, okay, Elliot, work on this. We stand today. The business method with the shadow. The business method. The business method podcast. The business method podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring over 500 episodes of entrepreneurs and high-performance experts dissecting their different methods, tools, and strategies so we can apply them to our businesses and lives. We've been fortunate enough to interview some of the leading experts in business and performance today. The billionaire CEO of Priceline, Jeff Hoffman, the CEO of Chipotle, Monty Moran, world's top big wave surfer, Laird Hamilton, the first black woman to build a billion dollar company, Janet Halroyd, world's top investment expert, Jim Rogers, and the list goes on and on. All of these guests you can find on the podcast backlog using Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, and any podcast app you prefer. Also, you guys, have you started listening to our micro high-performance episodes yet? We've taken the most powerful tips and tricks from over 400 interviews that our guests have shared on how to optimize their own personal performance, and we've made them into digestible micro-podcast episodes that are just 2 to 10 minutes long. We publish these on Monday and Friday each week, and those episodes are labeled as HP number 123456 and so on. Those episodes are live now and they're designed for you to consume some quick, high quality content while you only have a few minutes to spare. So be sure to subscribe to the Business Method Podcast on your favorite app so you can get those delivered as soon as they're live. And now, let's hop into today's episode. The Business Method. Hey listeners, real quick before we get started, I wanted to tell you about our trips and adventures for entrepreneurs. We have live events in different locations around the world, luxury trips to the Caribbean, adventurous trips to knock off your bucket list, and of course some private business events as well. If you're an entrepreneur, we'd love to have you join us. Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at thebusinessmethod.com to stay updated. And for those established entrepreneurs out there that want to be involved in a community that is curated specifically for seasoned business minds, then we have a group for you. Inside this group, we have private live events in different locations around the world specifically for our members. We get those members in a place where they can connect, collaborate, and grow their companies faster just by being around one another. We also organize private podcast viewings and Q&A sessions with some of the world's top entrepreneurs like Jim Rogers, Alex Hermosi, the CEO of Chipotle, the marketing mind behind GoPro. And as a member of our group, you'll get to hop on calls with our podcast guests regularly to ask them any questions you want. And the last benefit is access to private world-class masterminds that are specifically curated for whatever challenges you're going through at the time. Our purpose with this private community is to help you expand your network, connect with some of the brightest minds in business today, and help one another overcome business challenges faster. You can learn more about our community at thebusinessmethod.com. Remember, subscribe to stay updated. And now, 
Let's hop into today's show. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Elliot Marshall is a former professional UFC fighter, a prolific competitor who entered the world of mixed martial arts in 2006, competing in tough competition and then signing on with the UFC. Over his fighting career, Elliot has been awarded Pan American Civil Medalist, Pan American Gold Medalist twice, Pan American Champion Super Heavyweight Brand Belt, USA Team Trials first place and second place, Grappler's Quest Bronze Medalist, International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation Open Purple Belt first place, Open Purple Belt Absolute Champion, Brown Belt Super Heavyweight Champion, and Open Weight Champion, Pan Am's Brown Belt Champion, third place World Championships. Also, the GQ North American Championship, he's the Open Weight Champion, GQ USA Trials 200 to 210 Champion, the number one rated absolute weight grappler of the year, Ring of Fire, light heavyweight champion. He was on season eight of the Ultimate Fighter reality show, and he stands with a 17 wins to five losses MMA record. In 2011, Elliot decided to hang up his gloves and become an entrepreneur. He opened up a fight training center in Denver that has multiple locations around the state and also became the head coach of the Elevation Fight Team, one of the country's most highly regarded MMA teams, and he's on the podcast today. Elliot, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Good, Chris. How are you, man? Thanks for that nice intro. Yeah, I almost lost my breath reading all the, all your <laughs> awards. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, uh, I've been really lucky in my life. Yes, very fortunate. I'm going to talk yeah. to you more. You know, we had um, an Olympic coach on the podcast talking to us about uh, winning mindset versus champion mindset. And I want to dive mm. into that today because there is a difference. I, as a kid, was not taught a champion's mindset, but a winning mindset. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a few subtle differences that most people don't understand. But first, like I heard, Elliot, that your fighting career started back in the day when you saw Karate Kid. Is that true? My martial arts career started in 1986 when I kicked a lamp in my house. I did the crane kick. Uh huh. You know, and my parents were like, put, you know, and then we opened the yellow pages and there was a guy flying through the air doing a kick. Uh huh. Uh, and I thought he was actually flying because I was six years old. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I said, let's go. <laughs> let's do it <laughs> for all of you listeners that didn't know what the you don't know what the yellow pages are there was this book where you had to get phone numbers to to call businesses and people <laughs> everybody under the age of 30 is like scratching her head right now <laughs> what we had is white that? pages and yellow pages right white pages was residential yellow pages was businesses mm -hmm. i don't i just remember I remember that. yeah, I remember, yeah. <laughs> But you you didn't start off like I know you you have an extensive career in jujitsu yeah. and Muay Thai, uh, but you didn't start off in either of those. You started off in something I actually had never even heard of. So bak do is that Subak -do. correct? Su bak do. Su bak do. Yeah. What, so what in the world is it? It's just karate. It's just Korean karate. Okay. Uh, there, there wasn't any in America. There really wasn't Muay Thai or uh, jujitsu in the 1980s. You know. Right. So both of them are still primarily in their home countries of Thailand and. Brazil. So yeah, you couldn't really do it. Nobody, nobody the, the jujitsu for sure didn't come to uh, America until the Gracie's in the early nineties. True. And so you stayed in Sobakdo, uh, you stayed yep. Subakdo, uh, mm -hmm. to get until you got a black belt, right? Yeah. I got a third degree black belt, which, uh, you know, uh, it's cool, but I, I disagree with as well. So, uh, okay. <laughs> just because I don't think kids should get black belts. Uh, gotcha. Gotcha. You think like yeah. after the age of 18, black belts should come? Or? 21. 
21. Okay. Kind of like drinking. I, I agree. Yeah. So jujitsu, jujitsu has good rules, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, 19. I think they are. I'm okay with 19 to 20, some, somewhere in that age, but like you can't really defend yourself at 14 years old. Right. Very true. Very true. You know, like you as a, you as an untrained adult male will beat the brakes off mm-hmm. of a 14 year old, a normal 14 year old kid, like LeBron James at 14. Yeah. No, but like a normal 14 year old kid can't defend himself against a grown adult. Yeah, absolutely. There's something to say about like the, the maturity of a body post, even, even post like mid twenties or late twenties. twenties. Yep. Yeah. What is that? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I was, I'll tell a funny story real fast though. My, I have a 12 year old son and he's almost six feet tall. Like he's coming towards it. You know, he's like five ten or something. Yeah. Um, and we were wrestling around the other day and he like felt differently. I, I could feel a difference since the last time that I wrestled with him. And I was like, Oh, look at you, bud. You're getting some man strength, you know, but, and we were just joking around at that time. And then like, we stopped and then he came at me, came at me. Uh-huh. Like he was like, Oh shit. My dad said, Maybe I can, he was like, he's like, maybe I can take him now. And he tried to take me and I gave him some like real, like it was the first time I ever gave him some real pressure, uh-huh. you know, yeah. like, like, like that I would give another male, yeah. uh, adult male. And he was like, oh my God, what is this? Yeah. So there's, I don't know what happens, but something happens. And I think real athletic male maturity comes at around 30, you know, yeah. like, I think that's when people really hit their physical peak. If, if they are continuing to progress physically. Yeah. Like a lot of people get fat and out of shape and all these things. But if you are in that, if you, I think you see really great pro athletes when they hit that 30, 31 mark. And I think it has a lot to do with their mind. Yeah. I think their body is there, but when the body and mind connection sync up, there, there's something about that. Yeah. I, I would agree. I have a goal that uh, I am always able to, to take out my, myself 10 years prior. So like, I'm actually the same age as you are now. So we're okay. both in our forties. And when I was 30, I was like, I'm certain I could take out my 20 year old self. And now that I hit 40, you know, I'm like, I'm certain I could take out my 30 year old self. I don't know about the stages from 40 to 50 though. And then 450 to 60, but that's just kind of like a good mindset to stay healthy. Like, and on top of I things. could at 30, I was, I, I, but I don't think from where I was when I was 30 to now where I am when I'm 40, I mean. I was a pro fighter at 40. You were in your prime. Yeah. I was in my prime, right? Like I wasn't, uh, this 42 year old Elliot is not beating that, that (laughs) 32 year old, 31 year old Elliot. It just, there's no way. That makes sense. That's incredible, man. So, uh, so you did, did I'm going to say Subakdo until what age? Oh, about 18 until I moved to Colorado, you know? Okay. Uh, And then, but, but I had started dabbling in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu right before I moved to Colorado for college. Which and is then, kind of the the when Brazilian Jiu Jitsu was getting popular, right? Getting yeah, bigger. it still wasn't super popular, right? Because the Ultimate Fighter hadn't happened yet, right? But yeah, it was starting to get popular. It was you know it was catching people. You now most people still hadn't heard of it, but like you know in all in the martial arts scene, everyone knew what it was. Right, got it. So I'm always curious. You know, I, I would put you at you're you're a pro athlete. You were a pro athlete, right? And it seems like from the age of six, whenever you did your first karate kick and hit that lamp, that things just kind of started to move forward with you. Did you feel like this was a natural thing? Like this is something that you were kind of destined to do as a young child or, or how did that evolve from that point to, yeah, Yeah. joining the UFC? 
uh, this is a, a re- I, I've literally just discovered this in the okay. last couple of years of like, why did Elliot fight in the UFC? Cause I, uh, I try to be very self-reflective okay. and, and, and that, that allows me to hopefully assess myself well and show up for other people's other people. Well, you know, so, so I, I really started answer, asking this question of, man, why did you even fight? And look, I was born in 1980 mm-hmm. to a mother whose parents survived the Holocaust and she was white and a father who was black. Uh, and he grew up during the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. I fit in nowhere. Hmm. nowhere and because we, we lived in this little small town in south jersey okay and when we moved to this town when i was eight years old um my house was uh, spray painted with swastikas all over it oh wow. i nigers go home and this was just a constant you know this vandalism to our house throughout my life throughout my childhood and it continued everywhere except the martial arts right hmm. except except when i did karate and i was you know i didn't help myself i was a little chubby i was definitely a late bloomer and I, and I look, I had literally two friends, the kid across the street who went to a different school and uh, a kid from my karate school, a couple, I had some friends at karate, but they were all much older than me. Right. They just let this young kid hang out because I was just there every day. So I was, I was literally zero friends. And then the summer in between my junior and senior year happened. And some of my friends showed me this Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff. Actually, uh, one of the older guys who I'm still friends with now, he beat me up. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I challenged him and mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, come to my house. Like I challenged him in karate. Okay. He was like, yeah, come to my house on Friday night. And I was like, fine, old man, let's go. And I had no <laughs> clue that he was doing jujitsu. I was like 17 years old or something, you know, and he beat the fucking brakes off me. Like I was uh-huh. like, oh my God. You know, there's, he tells a story where uh, I guess I was getting a little cocky. And mm-hmm. uh, after he beat me up, my dad called him and he was like, oh no. He's like, Mr. Marshall's going to be mad. You know, like he would like that. I beat up his son and, and my dad was like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> like literally or yeah, like- literally, literally. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, uh, you know, I get in and I learned some Brazilian jiu-jitsu and that's the summer between junior and senior year of high school. Huh. And I go back to school and I'm talking about it a little bit. And these a couple state champion wrestlers challenge me to a grappling match and I choke them out. Wow. You know, and then. Now, look, along with in between that summer, I lost some weight. I bloomed a little bit, right? So there's some other factors here that I don't want to say didn't happen, you know? Uh, and then I got some friends, you know? And I think a girl kissed me for the first time, and, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and like other than my mom, right? Okay, like yeah, you know, like yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, and, and look, that's late, right? Like 17 years old, that, that's late for a girl to kiss you for the first time, right? Like yeah. most people have that way earlier. Yeah. And look, I connected in my mind because uh you have to understand uh do you know any holocaust survivors have you been around them uh not personally no they are convinced hitler will come again oh really really yes they are petrified of this you know and they prepare for it and they prepare Mm -hmm. their families for it we had food in my house from Mm -hmm. uh from 1980 Mm -hmm. you know and it's 1995 wow (laughs) you know my dad uh, now you have to again Whenever I left the house, it wasn't I love. Look, my dad told me he loved me all the time. I'm sure he told me I love you too sometimes when I left the house. But he always told me to watch my back and make sure I was safe because he wasn't safe as a, as a human, right. and as a kid. Right. right. So I have these two sides of my family where you're not safe. And then I have my house being vandalized and I have no friends. And like, so you combine all this, Elliot is not safe. Mm-hmm. Right? Elliot doesn't have this very, very basic need. And Pavlov is, I don't know, the hierarchy of need, yep. needs guy. 
safety is not hit not there. for me. Yeah. It was not there for me. Everyone was telling me I wasn't safe. And then I had no friends. And you need a tribe to be safe. Right. Right. Oh, Elliot beats a couple people up. Elliot gets some friends. Oh, Elliot's going to be safe in the world and have friends if he can beat people up. Yeah. There it is. Let's go fight in the UFC, become a champion. That was the the path. That was it. Right. Wow. But now you have to for the the mind of that now going forward wasn't so good because I wasn't fighting for money, which is the next level up. Mm-hmm. I wasn't from, from hierarchy of needs, right? I wasn't fighting for fame or chicks or anything like that. I was fighting to be safe in the world. So if I lost fights, then I'm not safe. Everyone leaves me. I'm by myself again. They spray paint my house. Yada, mm. Yada. Mm. And I know that's a little deeper than no. we, yeah. That's I, really I good. Know, like, yeah. Yeah, because you know we all have motivations like that that drive us, and most people mm-hmm. are unaware of them. You yeah, know? and to understand that is incredible. So I'm curious, like, what type of reaction when you did lose fights, whether it was in training or in the ring? I didn't lose many. Right. Right. I didn't lose many. Did you have a well, negative reaction when you did? No. Uh, so let let's look at it from a different perspective. Okay. How did I fight when I fought? I fought very safe and, and I, I tried not to lose in my fights. I didn't try to win. Okay. If, right. Because remember, it had nothing to do with winning. If I didn't lose, I would have friends. Okay. Right. That's so, where my brain went with it. So I fought very cautiously, which didn't make for really exciting fights. Okay. You know? Got and it. And uh, look, in the beginning, everyone wins fights, right? If, if you don't win fights in the beginning, you suck and you don't get to the UFC. So, okay, you smash people. Right. Right. <laughs> right. You know, but then when I started facing real competition, I got, I was very cautious, which, which is not the, the brand the UFC is trying to. It doesn't portray, sell right? tickets. They, they, they want death, right? Yeah. They want death and blood and guts and, 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 you know, that's what they want. And look, that's their brand and they can do it however they want. So yeah, uh, I can agree or disagree. It doesn't matter. So this kind of plays into what we were talking about earlier, the the winning mind versus the champion mind. Also in life, like one of the things, one of the, the, I guess, mantras or mottos that I follow is, you know, are we playing, are you playing to win? Or are you playing to not lose? Mm-hmm. And two completely different mindsets. So did, did, could you elaborate on that more? I didn't like, even have a winning mind. Okay. I had a not, so I think there's actually a stage before there's, don't lose mind, right. winning mind, and then there's champion mind. Got it. Right. You know, so uh, I had a don't lose mindset mm-hmm. until for most of my, for all of my professional career, I didn't figure it out until afterwards. Got it. The difference I would say between a, a winning mind and a championship mindset is a champion makes, uh, you ever see that, that motivational video with Kobe? Uh, he's like, the deal was made. The deal was made at the beginning of the summer that this is the work. Mm-hmm. You know, champions make the deal. They get real clear on the deal. How many friends did Kobe have? Probably not a lot. None. How many did MJ have? Probably not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot. How about Lance Armstrong? No idea. No, probably None. not a lot. None. Yeah. They hate him. They yeah. fucking hate him. Yeah. You know, nobody can be around him. Mm. Nobody. Why? Because they're assholes. They're, they're, they're assholes. focused on one thing. They don't care about literally anything else. Anything else, else, yeah. And that and unfortunately, unfortunately, to be a goat, to be to be somebody like that, that's what it takes. Do you think it's healthy? No, of course not. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Not even close to healthy. Look at the tiger. Look, look, 
Mm-hmm. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is the epitome of this. Right. True. Right. True. Look at him. Look at yeah. him. He was a piece of shit, an absolute piece of shit. Yeah. And then his life crumbled. And now he's a much better human being. Yeah. But he can't really win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's along it's, with some other physical problems, right? But like, he, you know, there was no physical problems from, from the accident when his life crumbled to, to the, to the losing. Yeah. But he can't win because he, he lost that and may, and he's probably a better dad, a better spouse. Uh, look, he and his ex-wife are good again. They're not yeah. together, but they're good. So no, I don't think it's healthy. It's fuck. It's awful. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's probably what it takes. Do you think it's worth even admiring these people the way that society does? We, we put too much into our celebrities and, and these people, right? We yeah. look at them as unflawed. I think part of it is part of, you know, we put them up on these pedestals and there's only one place for you to go after you're on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not off the pedestal. It's all the way down into the pit, mm-hmm. you know, which, which we did with, you know, Tiger, for example. No, it's not healthy because they're flawed humans, just like you and I are, just like every single other person is, you know, they have their problems just like you and I have our problems. And if my, I heard somebody on my podcast said, uh, man, if you have a problem and money can solve it, you don't really have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not true, right? It's, uh, no, I think I agree. You don't have a real problem if money can solve it. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes total sense because I think- Every time in my life when I've put somebody on a pedestal and then got to know them personally, they disappointed me because I, I expect them to be, you know, I guess, perfect in all areas. And then I see them flawed in all these other areas. And I'm like, oh, I don't admire this person as much as I thought I would have because of the perception that I gave them, even though right. it's probably inaccurate. Right. And and not letting these people actually have flaws is, you know, a flaw in our own selves because. Yeah, for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. So can we take, you know, this is the epitome of the example almost. Mm-hmm. Can you listen to Michael Jackson's music without liking Michael Jackson? Probably not. I can't. You there can. are people that can set. I cannot. No. Okay. But there are people that can separate. Right. So can we, can we listen to the message and the messenger? Can we, I'm sorry. Can we detach the message from the messenger? Right. What were, what were Michael's and Kobe's Jordan, I'm talking now. What yeah. were their messages? Hard work. Incredible, incredible, incredible hard work. Mm-hmm. Right? Be in the moment and work incredibly hard. You know, don't worry about the shot that you haven't taken yet. Just take that shot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can we now detach all of the other things from them? Right. That maybe aren't so skillful. That's it's so hard to do. It's so hard to do. It is. It really they is. They made commercials. Be like Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bo Jackson, the old ones. Right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> Bo, Bo knows, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Like, and, and we epitomize it and, and everything we consume tells us to do that. Yeah. It's a really good point. I'm super curious, Elliot, where you got, you just said not too long ago, within a couple of years, you figured out where your motivation to become a fighter came from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where did you learn that? To figure it out? Yeah. I broke down after my fighting career, you know, okay. uh, I, I, I went into entrepreneurship. I opened these schools with, with my business partner, Amal, mm-hmm. everything was going well. And, but I, but I never faced these demons that I had from a childhood. I buried them down with fighting, mm. you know, I, I never, I never looked at this fear that I, that, that I can experience this anxiety, this really, really crippling anxiety that would come up in my life every 
six months, couple of years, whatever it is. And then it would go away. I would beat it down somehow. I never sat down and I never sat in hell. I never sat in the pit of hell with the devil. Right. And then I sat just, and then the devil said, you're going to sit in the pit of hell. And I'm not <laughs> religious, you know, but I use religious terms. So, but, uh-huh. you know, the devil's like, nope, you can't run from this. So you was know? there, was there an event or something that happened that Man, look, that I up? came home, I came home from a vacation in Maui uh-huh. and we had a great time. And, you know, look, I just came home when you were here in Boulder, I was in Maui. That was my last week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're coming East and what happens? Jet lag, right? right. Every, every, you know, you probably have some when you went yeah. home, right you know, now. and you yeah. can't sleep. Yeah. You can't sleep. It's really irritating. You're tired. Well, whatever I was dealing with in mentally and, you know, you know, maybe my anxiety was a little heightened too, and it tripped the hook gotten me. And that's, and that's what happens. You know, like you get you people that have, uh, I have what's, you know, a type of anxiety that can lean towards what's called pure O okay. uh, and everyone thinks that OCD is just uh touch the screen, touch the screen, touch the screen five times. Okay. Touch the knob, touch the knob, touch the knob. And now I'm going to be okay. Look, those, that's one form of, of OCD, but another form is this, this thought OCD and okay. it's, that's called pure O and you can't get by a thought. And my thought was that I'm never going to sleep. And that and was just haunting you, haunting me. And then it brought up all these other thoughts. Like mm. once you can't sleep, now I'm going to die. Look, I had to write it down in my journal what, where my thoughts went at this time because of this break, you know, that, that this mental trip that I had. And it had happened many times. This wasn't the first time, but this was the longest. And this was the, this was the most intense. And I could not, I, at the time I couldn't get out of it. And, and look, the thought was simple. I'm not going to sleep. When you don't sleep, you go crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife will deal with this for a little bit, but then she'll leave. Uh, she'll take the kids. She'll convince the judge that I, I'm not healthy and I can't see my kids. Mm-hmm. And if I can't see my kids, well, then fuck it. I'll kill myself. Wow. And I, literally, I wrote this down day after day after day because that helped to get it out of my head. Right. How, how long did that last? Nine months. Oh, wow. Wow. What brought you out of that? So, uh, I think right in the beginning of the show, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very lucky. And luck is what brought me out on a Friday. It was the fifth night of maybe an hour of sleep a night, you know, a couple of nights, no sleep. And, uh, it was a Friday night and I called my doctor. My doctor is one of my best friends. I'm actually going to lunch with him here in a, in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he took care of me. He got me some sleeping pills and some anxiety medicine like a Xanax right away to, to bring it down. So I actually got rest. Mm -hmm. And then I started taking a long-term anxiety medicine. Uh, I still take it. Now, where's the luck of that is 99% of the world can't call their doctor on a Friday night at five o'clock and drive to the pharmacy. Right. Mm -hmm. Most people uh, at the point where I wanted to call the doctor, right. If I was not, if he wasn't my friend, then that would have been weeks. Mm-hmm. before I got an appointment. And I don't know what would have happened in those weeks. Right. If I didn't get a little, look, it lasted nine months, but I got a little reprieve. That night I slept six, five hours, which is way better than, which, you know, five to six, which is, man, when you're not sleeping at all, that's massive, right? right? That's massive. And then, yeah. And then, and then I got a therapist and I still see her today. I'm going to actually, I'm actually go see my therapist right before I have lunch with my doctor, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and then I had amazing support systems. Yeah. You know, I had amazing friends. I have an amazing family. 
And like during this nine month, I, I had these three friends, man. Uh, I, I would take the pills to sleep. Yeah. Uh, they, and then I, you know, no pill works in one minute. Right. And then within one minute, I would want to be asleep. I wouldn't be asleep. I'd start panicking, that I wasn't going to sleep. I would run down to my basement and call my friends. And then literally some, sometimes the, the talking with them, their, their voice would put me to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then other times they would literally stay up on the phone with me all night. They like took turns. There was three of them. It's great friends. Great friends. Wow. Great wow. friends. So the healing process, you know, I guess nine months, bad sleep, very dark thoughts, and mm-hmm. then calling your doctor, starting to take Xanax, therapist. I don't take Xanax friends. anymore. Let me be clear. There's no, I don't, I don't take Xanax every day anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I have, okay. have an actual anxiety medicine. Gotcha. Long, long-term uh, Lexapro. Okay. You know? And gotcha. I want to talk about this for a sec because a lot of people, uh, do you mind if I chat? Hey, for let's sec? do it. Yeah. 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 A lot of people think that the anxiety medicine works and you're like, oh, okay, I'm done. It's like a pain pill, right? Oh, you mm-hmm. take the pain pill and then, okay, it goes away. Uh-uh. Right. It, it does exactly what a pain pill does, right? right? It works for a time. And then if you don't do anything to actually cure the pain, then you have yeah. to take more pain pill, right? Yeah. Anxiety medicine is the same. I think the, the, the thing that, that we're not connecting is the anxiety med. It just gives you the space. It just quiets it enough mm-hmm. so that you can now go do the real work on you and yourself so that you can get out of this hole. Okay. Got That's it. That's what I believe the med is for. It is not like, uh, you know, you don't take high blood pressure medicine so you can eat a ton of sodium mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> right? and cholesterol med so you can eat fatty stuff, right? right? You have to change things in your life. Yeah. You, you can't just take the med. Yeah. So that was it. That was the impediment. That was, that was the, that was the uh, catalyst. I had to change things in my life. So was your, what are some of those changes? Diet, exercise, you know, I was always dieting and exercising, right? Uh, you know, I started, I got very consistent with my therapist. I am not in crisis right now. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've seen her the whole way through Mm -hmm. one, two, I had to deal with this fear that I had that this Elliot is not enough. Like the mm-hmm. only thing that makes Elliot enough is if you can beat somebody up. And that's, you know, that I, I had to go all the way back to that drawing board. Got it. You know, yeah. and then we just, I cried. I, I got scared. I was all over the place, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're still working on it. It's a constant every day. Like, okay, Elliot, what are you going to do? It's, it's almost like an alcoholic. Yeah. Am I going to be sober tomorrow? Not concerned. I'm going to be sober today. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm going to be sober today. I'm not concerned with whether or not I'm going to have anxiety tomorrow. Yeah. I'm only concerned with today. I was actually talking about this with a friend last night at dinner because I think so many of us have this not good enough programming that comes from childhood, mm-hmm. you know, what, no matter what your experience is. And it, it, so the way I've worked on it is through, through personal development, meditation, journaling, similar mm-hmm. to yourself. And, and a few times in my life, a handful of times during deep meditations, I've gone back and talked to that 12 year old Chris, when this event happened that told me that I wasn't good enough and, and kind of rechange the relationship with that experience mm-hmm. to help me deal with it now. But I think, though, 
I don't know if we ever completely, and I'm unsure and, and feel free to elaborate on this, but if we ever completely lose a deep programming like that, because from my experience, even though I started working on something like that 12 years ago, even now, and it may not feel that for you know six months, and then a new experience happens and all of a sudden, then that feeling comes back up. And I don't know if it ever completely goes away, but it's almost like learning to manage a relationship with those programs or experiences that that got so deeply ingrained in our brains and subconscious. I think it's healthy yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, only it's sociopath, humbling, <laughs> I think only sociopaths don't. True. True. You know, I think only so you know, like uh like I you know, last week I was talking to my therapist and I'm I'm going down this new venture of thought leadership a little bit, right? Like uh, uh -huh. keynote speaking, I'm, I'm running, some, I'm starting to really run some retreats. Mm -hmm. And when you do these things and, and look, I, I am the, the leader of um, martial arts schools that have 5,000 people, you know, and most of those people are shooting in some way to, to be an, not, not, not most, they, they want to be good at jujitsu. Right. Right. I'm probably still one of the best, even though I'm getting older, I'm not, I'm not really the best anymore, mm -hmm. but, but I have a lot of respect that's given to me. Right. And I, and that list of accomplishments that you just read at, mm -hmm. at the beginning, this puts you where on a pedestal Pe people yeah. put you there. So my therapist just asked me, so how do you feel about this? And I looked at her and said, I'm fucking petrified of this new venture that I'm going down. I'm yeah. petrified. She's like, why are you petrified? I was like, who the, who the fuck am I? For anyone to listen to to what I do, right? You know why? You know what? Why? And she's like, "Okay, good. I don't." She's like, "I'm not even worried now, because if that thought of not good enough, that little one, right? I, you can't get stuck on it, yeah. right? And then go down a bad rabbit hole. But you can't you can't go the other way of like I'm the man. You have to have this balance between the two. Yeah. Yes, you need a little I'm the man. You know, like I was outside playing basketball with my kids last night, and they were doing this shooting drill. It's hard shooting drill." Uh, and you know, you miss sometimes. And I have a nine-year-old who can get in his head. I was like, no, man, you got to tell yourself the next one's going in. Next one's going in. Shoot or shoot. You know, mm -hmm. the last one has nothing to do with the next one. So that's a little bit of that, like narcissism that, uh, uh, you know, I'm the man. Yeah. But you know, that the altruism starts to be, okay, you got to go give to the game. You got to go put the work in with the game. You're, you can't just be the man. Yeah. So we have to have this balance between, you know, altruism and narcissism. So I think a healthy balance is, is important, right? Yeah. You hear people go the other way with it. All, all I do is give, 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 man, bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. You get something out of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if you don't realize that and, or, or if you're not balancing it, it comes to bite you in the ass. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Yeah. This is really good stuff because this is like some of the deep stuff that we don't talk about with, with athletes and men. And men, men in general, in general, yeah, men in general, we have a really big male problem, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I, I don't know what Europe is like, but America is awful, in my opinion. I think it's all over the world, and okay. really, yeah. Do you incorporate any, you know, jujitsu and and fight training is, is a lot of mindset. It's a mm -hmm. lot of per, it's personal development in of itself. <laughs> Do you incorporate incorporate or share stories about these experiences in your gyms when you're teaching? Oh, yeah, this is yeah. the yeah. This is the shift. Yeah, this was the shift for 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 me is like, yeah, I'm super open. Yeah, I'm super open when I when I mess up, man. I, I which which I do. Mm -hmm. I try to talk about it when I love you. I try to tell you that I love you. Mm -hmm. You know, 
I, I genuinely love my students. Yeah. You know, some on a very individual level because I'm very close with them yeah. and others on, uh, as, as a group, you know, I spend two months in Maui yeah. and, uh, a year, not, not this last time, but throughout the year uh, in month long chunks normally. And, you know, I'm sad when I'm leaving because it's such a magical place for me, mm-hmm. but I also really am really excited to get back to, to my school and teach on Tuesdays and Thursdays because these, these people saved me. Yeah. You know, that, that, that Tuesday, Thursday class saved my life Yeah, uh, and I was struggling. It, I was like, okay, I just have to get to Tuesday and Thursday because if I get to Tuesday, then I'm going to go teach. And if I can just teach the most amazing class possible, then we'll build a community, you know? Yeah. So, and then that made me study, you know, jujitsu a little more like, cause you know, you're older. I, I, you know, I fought, I have my game, but okay. I need to learn this newer game for these, for these people that are coming up, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I started that class had like five people in it because, you know, it, and now we have 60, I had 60 people last night and it's every Tuesday and Thursday, the, the intermediate class has 30, the advanced class has 60 and it's every Tuesday and Thursday pretty much. Nice. And we really built this community. But for me during that time, I was just like, okay, go, go get there and see them and you won't be alone. Cause that yeah. was the fear, right? This loneliness. And then, I mean, I had to separate from that, but that, but they being there for me and showing up for me really saved my life. And, that's uh, cool. and I probably showed really good and I probably taught really good jujitsu because that's the only way the class grows. Yeah. Right. So then I gave to them. So it was the, the balance was there. Yeah. You know, the balance was really there. And, uh, so when I come back from Maui, I'm really excited to go see them. Nice. Like, I'm really excited. I genuinely love them and miss them. And you probably couldn't pay me an amount of money right now to not uh, go teach that class. Like, I have 10-year goals, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I, I believe in, in you shoot. Okay, this is where I want to go, way up here. What do I have to do? What do I have to do? What do I have to do? Okay, right. what do I have to do today to get there? Right. Uh, one of my 10-year goals is to still be teaching that class. That's cool. That's very cool. Because I love them. I wanted to ask you about maintaining peak performance and the difference between when you were fighting and today, but I think it's also worth mentioning that, you know, doing this inner work that you're doing is about maintaining peak performance. And like a perfect example of this is your story. You couldn't be where you're at today if you didn't go through all the hard shit uh, with the therapist and the doctors and and being mm-hmm. in your darkest, darkest place. And, and, and that's an aspect of your best self of maintaining your best self. You've got to visit the darkest parts of yourself in order to be stronger and to continue to grow and give. Right. You know, you, we talked earlier when you said, you know, you want to beat up the, the 10, the decade ago person, mm-hmm. you know, and I said that can't exist for me and that won't exist for you either at some point. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and maybe it's this decade, maybe it's the forties, right. Yeah. We don't, you don't know. Uh, and for me, because I was an athlete, no way. Right. Like Michael, the, the 40 year old Michael Jordan was not beating the 30 year old Michael Jordan. Not right. possible. Right. Even though the 40 year old Michael Jordan might have been better than 95% of the other NBA players, he wasn't better than that Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know? So, and I'm not saying that I was Michael Jordan whatsoever, but uh, <laughs> so I, I had to get let go of this only physical being that is Elliot, this physical sense, mm-hmm. you know, because. It was impossible because all I was doing was physical, but I wasn't balancing. That got me in a lot of trouble mentally, you know? So a lot of my peak performance 
is based around who am I, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what is my overarching why, mm-hmm. you know, what is my why in the world? So now look, I still exercise. I train jujitsu two to three times a week. I really can't physically handle more than that. You know, I, I probably work out all the other days. So I probably exercise five to six times a week. So I'm still physically okay, you know, and yeah, but a lot of it is this this mental awareness, because that's what I feel like I can really give right now yeah. is, is combining this jujitsu mindset, this, this thing that we learn from fighting because you're 42, right? You're in your forties, mm-hmm. man, you're not getting in the cage, right? You're, you know, <laughs> you might do a competition and that will be really cool, yeah. uh, but it won't change your life whatsoever, right. whether you win or lose that. So why the hell do you do jujitsu, man? Uh, I love the... Well, it's a great workout. I love working out with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like jujitsu is kind of like a natural uh, way to be because as children, you know, we wrestle naturally mm-hmm. and yep. we roll around on the ground, puppy dog, same thing, yep. kittens, right? Also amazing cardio, amazing flexibility for flexibility, uh, amazing for mindset and then confidence. Like it helps with confidence levels as well. Yes. And it helps other and people. It, teach, it teaches yeah. you how to deal with adversity. It teaches me how to deal with adversity. Yeah. And it balances, it balances this. It balances you beating your partner up, mm-hmm. but taking care of him too. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to, you learn how to walk through the world better, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. have difficult conversations better. Yeah. I want you to try like uh, the next time you're mad at somebody, right? And the next time you're like mad at somebody that like, like let's, you know, I don't know, like your business partner or something, who knows, try doing, before you talk, try doing jujitsu first and it's then talk. Yeah. It it's breaks down idea. all the emotional barrier. Yeah. Right. It, it breaks it down and, and you, re, because you had, you tried to beat them up and you had to take care of them. Yeah. And then you sit down and you talk. Yeah. Right. And it, it does something. It connects the humans better. Yeah. It takes away all of the outside bullshit. Yeah. How much money you have doesn't matter. Yeah. What car you drive doesn't matter. How hot your wife is doesn't matter. Yeah. How much power you have on the outside doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is this one skill on the mat. Yeah. And what that does to us is it puts us in the present moment. Absolutely. And that's what we're really trying to work on. Can I be present? Right when what is the next most skillful thing that I can do alive, and this, do, um, do right now so that I stay alive, so that I don't get choked out or armbarred. Yeah. Okay. Take that to any aspect of your life, your marriage, your parenting, your business, any aspect. What's the because we often we often have these long. I want my wife to be better. I want my kids to this. No man. I want my business to. Uh, you know what's what's the quarterly goal that I have to hit. Right. No, I have this question for you. What's the next most smallest step that you could take that will get you to there that you could take, not what they could take, not what your wife can change, not what your kids can do better, right? Not, not what the outside world can give to you that you can do because mm-hmm. that's all that matters in jujitsu. Yeah. What's the next smallest thing you can do? Yeah. Not biggest. So that's why the rule number one for my life is I have to do jujitsu. I love it. I love it. All right. This is some great stuff. <laughs> I've got some. <laughs> well, let's move into your entrepreneur career. Yeah. Like we've talked yeah. about, you know, your, your fighting career and then challenges with anxiety and depression. 
Before we do that, actually, I have one more question on that. Yeah. Uh, did you change your training and exercise on a regular basis when you were dealing with the anxiety and depression and in the worst of times, even sleeping a couple hours a night? You still showed up to the gym. I had you some really great advice. When I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. That's fine. No, no, no. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. There was one night, you know, there was one night through there, you know, where it was the second night of no sleep and I woke up and I was not okay. Mm -hmm. And my wife looks at me and she goes, why don't you just pretend that you slept mm -hmm. and go do your day like that? And I was like, okay. And I was halfway through the day, you know, and my friend Ian, one of the guys who was staying awake with me all night, he's the GM. At the time, he was the GM, the general manager of the Denver location, and that's where I was at too, mm -hmm. where I, and I am still at. Now he's the director of all of the GMs across Easton, and he so he knew how greatly I was struggling. It's like three thirty, four o'clock, and he comes and he puts a cup of coffee and he puts it on my desk. And he goes, "Drink that," and I'm like, "Homie, if I drink that, I'm not going to sleep tonight." He goes, "Elliot, you're already not sleeping." It has nothing to do with coffee. You know, he's like, what this coffee will do is make you feel better for an hour, right? For this next hour, you'll feel better. And I was like, okay. And he goes, at 1130, if you're not sleeping, I'll be on the phone with you. So I'll, I'll help you then too. So he was making me feel safe and telling me to worry about right now. Mm -hmm. And my wife said, just, fuck, just, just go fake it. Because I was doing all these other things to do the work, you know, mm -hmm. and the problem is a lot of times we, is we want it to happen right now. And it doesn't, you can't change in it, right? Like I want it to change. Well, it takes work to change. So I was doing the work. So in each and every moment, you have to stick to the plan that you made, mm -hmm. like for the day. And too many people get put off by how they're feeling that day. Oh, I'm tired. Right. Oh, I'm this, right? Look, tired is a fleeting feeling. Yeah. And so is motivated. They're both very fleeting. So what's the plan? Like Kobe said, the deal was made. So you make a deal in the beginning of each and every day. Mm. And then barring some craziness, right? Obviously, if you know, if there's an, you know, an outside thing that you have to go deal with something else, right? You have to be able to pivot, right? But it has nothing to do with how I feel. Right. I said I was working out today. Guess what? I'm working out today. So I don't let how I feel and, and anything else interrupt the plan because when you do that, you have no discipline, mm -hmm. right? You have to be disciplined and every successful person is disciplined. Yeah. hundred percent. And again, that goes back to jujitsu. I don't want to be mounted. I don't like your hand on my neck, but that's where the <laughs> fuck I am right now. Right? Like, and so how I feel about this does not matter. Yeah. <laughs> What's your, what's your daily routine like now? I wake up, I meditate. Uh, what time? What time? Yeah. I wake time? up at 6.30, right around okay. 6.30 every day. So I wake up, I meditate, I, I have some coffee. I go sit outside. I like to read a little bit, uh, mm -hmm. look, you know, then I come up, I do some consulting and, and, and computer work mm -hmm. on, you know, it depends on the day. Monday, Wednesday is some computer work. Tuesday, Thursday is more in the school work. When I say computer work, my podcast, the brands, yada, yada, things like that, you know? Got it, yeah. And then Friday, it's a little bit of both, you know? Saturday is a lot of teaching and coaching, my kids in basketball. And Sunday, Sunday's a little bit more of a chill day. It's a planned chill day, mm -hmm. you know? Like what, you know, I, I allow myself to, to, if I want to give into the feeling that day, 
you know? I do and, that and, on Sunday yeah. as well. I, I, yeah. I plan not to make plans in whatever. I plan not in. to make plans. Now, look, yeah. I, have, I have two young kids that play basketball, so I have tons of plans, yeah. right? Like, like they're really, really into basketball. So we're doing that. But I, I like, if I want to ride the bike, I ride the bike. If I, if I don't want to, I don't have to. Yeah. Like, th- things like that, you know? So then you got to balance it. Uh, What's that? Like afternoons, evenings? What a I'm evening time? Days? Yeah. Oh, so I'm uh, Tuesday, Thursday. I work from, you know, I do computer work in the morning okay. and then uh, I, I leave and I teach the rest of the day, all noon till like eight o'clock at night on Tuesday, Thursday, on Monday and Wednesday, I'm done at like four o'clock because it's just straight computer. It's just straight in this office. Mm-hmm. As my wife likes to say, talking to myself for no, for no money. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. She's like, do I have to hear you edit that one more time? It's like when you edit stuff, right? It's the same little clip of you over and uh-huh. over, you know? Yeah. And like, you're not paying attention to it, but I'm sure it's really annoying to whoever else is just hearing you talk. <laughs> what about bedtime? Winding down for bed? I, re- I don't really have a routine, okay. you know? Uh, I, I love to watch some some shows. So yeah, I, I don't really have a routine for bed. Okay. You know? My wife and I go to bed. We watch TV together. And then we go to sleep. Nice. And any uh, diets that you stick to? Mm, intermittent fasting a little bit, you know? Okay. I try to eat in a window. Yeah. So, and I was just on vacation. So obviously that broke. Yeah. Uh, you know, it always does broke. when you travel. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard when you travel. And uh, the diet thing is very hard for me because I had to be so strict when I was fighting, right? Mm-hmm. I'd lose 30 pounds every fight camp. Wow. So that's a lot of weight. And I wasn't fat then, you know? Yeah. So yeah, the diet thing can be hard for me. I wish I could do it. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I go through phases of doing better uh-huh. uh, and, and doing worse. And I try to, uh, you know, I try to be the best I can. Yeah. And it can be, you know, that one, that one definitely is a little harder for me. Yeah. Okay. So now you guys have seven schools across Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, around 150 employees, mm-hmm. uh, 5,000 students. Is that what she said? Right around there. Somewhere. Right around there. And then, and then doing about 6 million a year in revenue. Six to, yeah. Six to 7 million. Yep. That's incredible. And, and you started the, so Easton training's training center and you started that in, was it 2012? So my business partner, Amal okay. had small jujitsu schools, a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. I retired from fighting and literally, uh, so I fought my last fight on a Saturday Mm-hmm. And then that Tuesday, I looked at the building that the Denver school is now in that I, that I later then purchased. Okay. So, uh, and then we just moved, you know, I bought into the Denver school mm-hmm. and then we, yeah, we just, it worked and we did Boulder the same way. Like I bought the building and then we bought into the business and yada, yada. And then we just kept going and we had, we, we only for the most part hire from within, mm-hmm. you know, uh, students. All of our general managers right now are students first. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we took these really amazing mat lessons and implemented them in the business. Yeah. Got some business help, set up an org chart, set up an accountability chart, learn how to make goals, learn how to move, learn how to follow it. And now I don't have to do it. Now, you know, I'm, I'm the figurehead. Yeah. I'm the, my business partner and I are the figureheads. We have a CEO, you know, we have a, I don't know what you call them. We, we call it an integrator. We have an integrator. We have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a director of operations, like all of these things. And, you know, I get to get put on a pedestal and try to get myself off of it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one end of my life, you know, right. and then I do this other entrepreneurial back end. We have a consulting business. 
where we help other martial arts schools try to do their business well, mm. you know, because most of them don't, right? Very true. Most martial art, most people that run martial arts schools are just good at the martial art. Mm-hmm. And, but they, you know, but there's another piece to this. Yeah. You know, and, and they keep running into the most the very constant problem. They have an instructor. They, they can't hold instructors. They can't hold staff members. They don't follow up with their leads, yada, yada, you know, because yeah. we spent too much time on a mat getting good, you know, right. they're and not I business people. They're yeah. not business people. So I believe there's a way to balance this. So we have a consulting business that helps martial arts schools. It's called Easton online, mm-hmm. uh, do their martial art. And then I have my personal brand, you know, here where, you know, thought leadership, where, you know, I do my podcast and trying to get into keynote speaking, you know, I actually just hired an, an, an agent. So to help me with that. And uh, I'm running these retreats, you know, right now they've just been Brazilian jiu-jitsu retreats with, with, you know, male focused jiu-jitsu retreats where, Mm -hmm. you know, we go to Maui and it's it's great fun. And I'm trying to move into the executive retreat where I'm not going to change it much. We're going to get on a mat, you know, we're going to do really hard things, you know, like day one, we wake up, we, we, we meditate on the beach, we drive to the jiu-jitsu school, we train, and then we go jump off a rock. Yeah. You know, into nice. the ocean, you know, <laughs> just, just because I, I don't think you can separate you. Have, well, there's a couple, you have to learn how to deal with adversity. You have to learn how to deal with your fear. You know, yeah. you have to learn how to work with a team, Yeah, you know, and that's something else that, that I'll, that I'm building into the retreat. And it's the easiest place to learn how to do this stuff is in the hard physical place. Yeah. Right. Cause it, it gets very compartmentalized like jujitsu, right? Oh my God, I'm mounted, you know? So I want to take the, you know, yeah, I want to take the executive team of, uh, uh, you know, Google, you know, I'm like, let's go get <laughs> on the mat. Lay, lay, yes. Lay your ass down. I'm mounting you. You're not getting out, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And then teach them the systems of how to get out. Yeah. What's the next smallest thing that you could do right to get out of the mountain? Okay, great. We do that. We have fun. We go eat some Hawaiian food. Yay. Then we go sit in the room. Okay. What's the next smallest thing you can do with your business right mm-hmm. now and today? after you just beat them up. So their egos are broken, right? Everyone speaks more kindly to themselves after we do that. Mm-hmm. The team works better, yada, yada. So that's my plan. That's, that's my entrepreneurship. I do it terribly. <laughs> I do the actual thing really well. Right. I think. Like I can podcast pretty well. Like I, I like, like we're having a great conversation. I hope it's good for you. Yeah. I do the retreat really well, you know, getting the word out. Uh, yeah, I'm in the I'm in the exact same boat. Like we do retreats really well. Like we can implement them really well. All my problem is I never give myself enough time to build for a retreat because I get excited about another one. You do that too. It looks. Oh like my it. god, dude! My like. Okay, so I finally. So uh, I'm doing one in December. I would like uh-huh. to do an executive one uh-huh. and uh, a jujitsu one, like back to back, since I'm in Maui anyway, right? Uh-huh. I'm actually planning for it now in yeah. August. Like I just, the last time I was just in Maui a month ago, you know, uh, uh, sorry, two weeks ago, a week ago. And at the beginning of that trip, I did one. And the beginning of that trip was like June 23rd. Uh-huh. And I booked that trip May 1st. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck it. Let's do a retreat. You know, yeah. I'm trying to so sell awesome. it last minute. Right? Great party. Let's right? <laughs> you know, I'm going, everybody else should come. And then people are like, yo, dude, I can't just pick up and go to Maui in a month. Yeah. And then you're scrambling, you know, like. Because yeah. I'm not charging fifty bucks. Like if there's fifty bucks, then then yeah, sure. Right. I'm charging three thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh so you know, three thousand dollars, you know, convincing your spouse or your other, you know, like yeah. Uh, Especially I, if now, you have a like, family and kids, yeah, like that's all that's yeah. hard to get away. Yeah. But that's my market, right? Like 
a 20 year old doesn't have three grand to come to Maui with me. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I'm getting better. I'm praying. I'm planning now, Chris, we're (laughs) going to try to sell it out by September. (laughs) Rule of thumb, like the best rich or most profitable retreats that I've done is I've given myself more like eight to nine months Mm -hmm. to, to build. And, uh, once the retreat is set, the data set and everything, and I was actually, when we were in Boulder doing our event a couple of weeks ago, one of the doctors that we worked with, he said, I always give myself 18 months. And I was like, 18 months? That seems like so far, it was like 18 months. Like you, you'll help yourself. So like consistency, repetitiveness, and then, you know, having a place to go back to, it's like the annual event here and here is is what we're working on because I've seen that work in the past. So I'm trying to uh, do two a year, uh, two a year right yeah, now. Yeah. You know? Two a year is so, good. Two years, years good. good. So mm-hmm. I'm planning for the end of the year one now, and hopefully I'll sell it out by September. Yeah. How many spots do you have for that? So, so that's uh, so this is how I this is how I, I believe that I've done a good job. Is everyone that's gone on the last two is be, re, said they are like, yo, I am in for December. Mm. Right. But I also want I don't want to just block it off. So I'm trying to figure that out. I think I'm gonna do, but the small is better. You know, it's more small intimate. is, you know, it's way more intimate. I'm probably going to block it at 15. Yeah. You know, I'm probably going to cap it at 15 or so. Yeah. So, nice. uh, we'll, you know, that, that's what I'm trying to figure out, but I, I'm going to offer it to my old guys first, like my alumni yeah, and then say, Hey, look, here you go. Come on. But I think one of the best things I had with the retreat was on this last one, there was somebody on the retreat and you could see on day one, he wasn't quite feeling it. Mm-hmm. And this is why I say I do it well. I don't do anything else well with it, but I do it well. You know, he wasn't quite feeling it. You could just see how he was acting. And he's like, God, this is okay, but holy fuck, it's, you know, I paid three grand and yada, yada, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the, at dinner on the last night, he looks at me and he goes, Hey, man, so uh, I would really love to get grandfathered in at this price that you charge right now that you charged me this time, but it is way too cheap. Like, you, this is way too cheap yeah. for what, what, what I got out of this. Yeah. So I was like, oh, boom, done, home run. You know, uh, that, that's what you want. You, want you, want. you don't want someone who's coming and loving it and then stays loving it. That, yeah. That's cool, but you want to convert. <laughs> you yeah. know, 100%. You want to convert. So, yeah, so that was good. Now I just have to do a better job on, on the other piece. <laughs> so if people listening, are there, if they're interested, is there a place they can find more info or sign up for the newsletter? Or, yeah. So or... go to my website, ElliotMarshall.com. Mm-hmm. Right. And right now, like right on the top, you can get my morning routine that I do. Yeah. And uh, that will put you on my email list. And then in two weeks, I think a week, something like that, you'll start getting email lists, emails to wait list for the retreat. If you want, if you are interested. So you can nice. wait list for that retreat and then the spots will open. I'll have the, I'll have the cart open for about, you know, two or three weeks and then that'll be it. So yeah, elliotmarshall.com. Is this for the, the execs, Elliot, or for just jujitsu? The execs one, I'm, uh, I'm still getting that webpage together. The execs one, look, the execs one, I want one team. I don't yeah. want an exec from over here and an exec from over here. So I'm still working that part out, right? I want like Geico's sales team. Yep. Right, because I because uh, the team building stuff, we're going to take the the team building of something very physically hard outside in, in the nature. Yeah. This hike that we do, where you where like, look, I got to take care of you, and you got to take care of me. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that team build, and then we're going to go back to the room and put it together with the team. Yeah, you know, any executive can come on the the personal one. Nope, right, like where it's like you and Steve, and you know, and then. We'll do a very similar thing, 
yeah. but it won't be super focused on your business. Yeah. I'm curious, what's the difference between Elliot the fighter and Elliot the entrepreneur? Nothing. Yeah? Nothing. Elliot the entrepreneur is probably more skillful. In what Elliot, the, Elliot the entrepreneur is okay with, with failing. I'm okay with coming on here and saying I'm terrible at this. Yeah. You know, I wasn't so good at that as the fighter. You know, I, you know, I was not okay with my, you know, with my weaknesses. I, uh, I was not okay with my shortcomings. Yeah. And I had to learn how to get good with my shortcomings. And then, you know, I, I had to also realize, okay, that maybe that's a shortcoming of mine. Great. Find somebody else to do it. Yeah. Find somebody who's not their shortcoming. You know, that's not their shortcoming. Rather than you always hear this work on your weaknesses to a point, right? Like I have to understand how to build a website. You know, that means I have to go build 20 of them, 20 yeah. landing pages, right? But man, there's people that crush this. Yeah. So why would Blue Belt or Purple Belt Elliot build websites when what Black Belt Elliot does well is get on this microphone, talk to people, inspire people, run the retreat, yada, yada, right? That's what, that's what Black Belt Elliot does. Mm -hmm. so, so can we focus more on being a better Black Belt? You know, because I can always speak better. I can always improve the message better. I can always show up better. Mm hmm you know, so do that, Elliot, learn, get better at that. Like, and then hire these other things, you yeah. know, where with my fighting career, I fell in love with striking and I still, I never got really good at it, you know? And so I would just keep it on my feet and touch and touch and not get hit. But this was because I could hit and not get hit really well. Mm -hmm. But, uh, Floyd Mayweather doesn't knock anybody out. Right. Right. It's true. And I'm not, yeah. And I'm not saying I was Floyd Mayweather by any means with my striking. But it's, it doesn't make for the most exciting fight. No one leaves a Mayweather fight going, that was really exciting. Well, no one left most of my UFC fights, and you know, a couple of them, but not most of them. So like, man, but my strength was grappling. But I went away from it. Rather than be like, okay, how can I use my striking to mm -hmm. really, like Khabib, right? Khabib got his striking good enough mm -hmm. so that he was very, very competent. Mm -hmm. Very, very competent. But then once you got, he got you on the floor, you drowned. There's no, he knew no it out. Yeah. every time he knew he was going to get you down. He knew he was going to drown you and he knew it. Right. Yeah. So I needed to focus. I should have done that rather than this other thing, you know? Yeah. So that's a piece of it. Right. You know, now yeah. this fighter, Elliot, look, part of my getting better process was, was really knowing who I am, you know? Uh, and, and I, I make these agreements every morning. It's part of my, my routine. During my meditation afterwards, uh, I show some gratitude for the world right away. Like I, I, I pray, I get on my knees, but again, not in a religious way, just, you know, me and, and, and God, mm -hmm. however you want to look at that. And, you know, I, I make agreements with, with myself, you know, I just make the four agreements and then I always state who I am, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a teacher, I'm a student and I balance them. I'm a student, I'm a fighter and I'm a survivor. The first three are what I have to go give to the world. Father, husband, teacher. The next three, student, fighter, survivor, those are for me. Yeah. And all of those combined make me enough. What type of meditation practice are you doing? I, I, I don't really. Just whatever. I just, I just whatever. I, I don't, I'm not like super, like, oh, you have to do this one, you know? Yeah. Uh, I have this lady on YouTube. It's called The Mindful Movement. And I fucking love listening to her. Mm -hmm. And she puts me in a really good spot. And sometimes I do some, some quiet ones, uh, some unguided. Sometimes, uh, you know, the, the, the first meditation I ever did was with Sam Harris. So uh, sometimes I'll go back to his. Uh, I haven't gotten super particular on that, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and then I have some things that I, that I, that I do. Like I have these, uh, these mala beads mm -hmm. uh, just to kind of remind me, 
You know, like when I touch them, it puts me in the moment. My I am's use really, it really, to count what uh, your blessings, mm, right? Like what's no, no, no. I just touch them you okay. know? and I hold them when I meditate. Mm-hmm. So it, it, if when I touch them again, it brings some peace and calm for me. Yeah. It's like, oh, nope, nope. Like, you know, what is it? Neuro, neuro processing or something. I don't, I don't yeah. know what it is where you, where you do the physical and it brings the mind back to, you know, gotcha. uh, and, uh, you know, my I am's are really important to me. They're yeah. really, really important to me because one of them is always really necessary in my life. Really seldom, you know, you ask the fighter thing, very seldom does fighter have to show up, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, father has to show up all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's what I'm always that's really how I focus my life, whether it be in an entrepreneurial sense, whether it be in an actual fatherly sense, whether I have these young kids, you know, they're, they're 12 and nine. And so, you know, my oldest is about to hate me. Right. But right now he still loves me. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. uh, he's not a teenager yet. And they think I'm Superman. So they have this image of who their dad is as we all did. Right. So my goal every day is to be the man that they think I am. Mm. And I know I'm going to fall short right? I know it's not possible. I know it's a pedestal that I can't quite reach, but I sure can try. Right. So when I go to work, okay, am I being the man that I would really be proud of my kids to be? Mm. You know, when I'm talking to somebody, when I'm mad at somebody, when, when I'm comforting my wife, when I'm upset with my wife, when I'm talking to a friend, when I'm mad at a friend, when I'm neutral, when I'm with them, right? Like if, if this, is this the man that I want those kids to be? So that is really always what my North star is. So it's something to wake up and point at every day mm-hmm. and then go, okay, this is where I fell short. Okay. No problem. It's okay. Give myself grace for that, you know, and then go, okay, Elliot, work on this. Nice. Nice. And that, that's lit- That's how I go through my life. I want to start wrapping up here, Elliot. Yeah. And, I, and I want to ask you, I mean, I've loved this show, like uh, diving into, especially the, the, you're really dark time with depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. getting to know the person, like the raw side of you has been absolutely incredible. Do you have any other other things you'd like to leave the listeners with before we wrap up? Go do hard things. I like that. Go do very physically hard things. Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, uh, work out intensely. Don't stop. Mm-hmm. Don't stop. Don't stop chasing, you know? Yeah. Don't stop chasing. You can always be more skillful. Don't, don't worry about, don't worry about anybody else, you know? Don't worry about being Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or, or Joe Rogan. And for you, you know, if you're a podcaster mm-hmm. or, you know, who's the best CEO in the world, I don't know, like Gary V. Uh, yeah. Like, don't, don't worry about, don't worry about them. Just yeah. be a little better than you were yesterday. Only compete with you, you know, only compete with you. Get really, really clear on who you are. You know, like those things that I, that I stated, who I am, they're unshakable. They'll never change. Mm-hmm. When will I not be my kid's father? Mm-hmm. When I die. I'm still going to be their father. Yeah. You know, even if my wife were to leave me, we would still have that bond of husband and wife that would always have been true. Right. I'm always a teacher. Somebody will always be like, you know what? Elliot is or was my teacher. You know, I will always be a student. I'm always learning fighter. You cannot take that away from me. You know, you just can't. And look, the only thing you, me and everyone else in the entire world that is breathing right now, the only thing you've never failed at and I've never failed at is surviving, you know, is surviving. I'm, I'm perfect. I'm undefeated. Me, the only thing that me and the internet are the same is, is that, right? Like undefeated. Um, so other than that, man, 
And I try to realize, and, and this is really important for me to say here, you know, because we're doing this, like, how does Elliot do his life thing? Right. I fuck this up all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. I am nowhere near perfect, you know, and I don't think anybody wants to see perfect, really. Mm-hmm. I want, I, I try to model the journey of imperfection. Yeah. You know, of imperfection. I'm not a perfect human. I yell at my kids when I shouldn't. I get ticked off at my wife when I shouldn't. I get pissed at an employee when I shouldn't, right? Like all of these things happen. I miss waking up on time, right? Uh, today it happened. You know, my wife wanted to stay up late watching shows last night. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were up to like one o'clock. I was like, fuck, you know, and I messed it up. I, my, you know, and, and I blew it, you know, like that's why I hesitated for a second when you said, what time did you wake up? What time do you wake up? I wake up at 6.30. Today, I messed up. Uh-huh. You know? Who cares? Okay. Wake up tomorrow at 6.30. Yeah. You know? like So I don't want anyone to ever take away from this. Be like, God damn, that dude's got it figured out. No, I don't. <laughs> you know? And my my online program, I like to call it the blueprint, uh-huh. you know, which is where I help people like, you know, set up their life. And I call it the blueprint for a reason. Everything has a blueprint. A house has a blueprint, right? Your house has a blueprint. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's probably very similar to mine. The way the walls are structured, mm-hmm. there has to be a foundation poured. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you have to use this kind of stud and this kind of plumbing. Now, I do not have a small TV like that in my room like you do. Mm-hmm. Because you go then get to do the interior design, the specifics. You get to go do that all on your own. Right. Same with your life. Do the specifics of your life however you would like and it works for you. But the most successful people all have a very similar blueprint. I love that. If the listeners want to reach out and learn more about what you have going on, Elliot, where's the best place they can do that? Uh, look, you can go sign up on my email list, elliotmarshall.com on my website. And I'm really pretty, uh, I try to really respond on Instagram. So I'm at fire marshal. Uh, that was my nickname when I was fighting. Yeah. 205. Uh, I'm not 205 anymore, so don't make fun of me for being fat. I won't respond. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, that, that's where... Uh, that's where I do most of my, uh, you know, LinkedIn. I, I really try to respond on LinkedIn as well. I'm trying to build my LinkedIn profile. They say that's good for this new field that I'm getting into, you know? Yeah. So they say that I still haven't figured LinkedIn out. I can't figure out what, 12 years, 13 years. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't figure, you know, you know? Um, yeah. And man, if I could, if I could leave the listeners with, with two things, it's, it's those two posters that are behind me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the Martin Luther King. And that, that quote is, you know, darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can that only yeah. light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Love it. So let's try to first love ourselves, like really, really love yourself. And then let's try to go love other people for, for their good and their bad. Nice. You know? And then the second quote to the left of it is uh, Teddy Roosevelt, the man in the arena. Yes. Great quote. You know, you don't, the critics don't count. Just keep walking into the arena. Yeah. You know, look, I was not a champion. I wasn't close to being a champion in the UFC. But, you know, as the end of that quote says, uh, my face will never be marred. You know, my, I will never be with those cold and timid souls yeah. who know neither victory nor defeat. Because if you're going to know victory, there's only, there, there's one sure path mm-hmm. and you have to look at defeat in the face. I love it. Love it. I think that's a perfect way to end a podcast. Yeah. Elliot, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all your tips and tricks and wisdom with us. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks for having me on, Chris. I really appreciate it. And uh, man, I'd, I'd love to return the favor maybe and have you on mine. Oh, maybe we could do that. Yeah. Listeners, thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. 
Hey listeners, thanks for joining us. And once again, we wanted to remind you about our adventures and trips for entrepreneurs in our private community. If you enjoy luxury trips to the Caribbean, going on bucket list adventures around the world, or just traveling to connect with other established entrepreneurs, then be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to stay connected at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. Thanks for joining the show today, and we'll see you on the next episode.